Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my sensational co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello. Sensational. Sensational. I need to go for alliteration again. I feel like sensational, though. We need to start um, We need to start doing a musical number right now. It's sensational. It's fabulous. I'll be like the, the higher track. It's like the, the atmospheric <laughs> music that you hear. The Disney birds are coming. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, people. And if you're still with us, please. <laughs> I apologize to anybody that is listening to us on headphones right now. <laughs> the cards were tolerable. <laughs> we're fulfilling our dreams of being like on stage in high school and, and being in that musical number and just like having like this big bravado moment. I can picture it. I'm trying to think. I'm like, hey, I did sing at Carnegie Hall back in high school. But really? I have not kept those skills. You know, they talk about how some things are like riding a bike. You just never forget. Yeah. Yeah, Brie forgot how to sing. Oh, no. I definitely, I worked hard at that. And I, it is a skill that did not go over with me as time went on. Well, it's all about exploring those little aspects of yourself and always like okay. looking for things to do that are new and fun and uh, all the things, all the things. We have such a cool, cool interview today. Oh my gosh. I was so excited. I love, love, love her book. Mm-hmm. And it, I have to admit, like I didn't say a whole lot in this interview because I just spent a whole lot of time just going like, wow, we're actually talking to her. <laughs> I'm like a total... I wish I had her life. <laughs> so I was a big fan of the show Alias. When I was... That would make sense. And I didn't want to mention it because I'm like, Joanne, no, you're a nerd. Don't bring up Alias in front of an actual CIA person. <laughs> Don't bring up Alias. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Christina Hillsberg, uh, she was amazing. She's a former CIA intelligent officer, writer and speaker on parenting, intelligence, tradecraft and women in espionage. She is the author of License to Parent, How My Career as a Spy Helped Me Raise Resourceful, Self-Sufficient Kids. And she's the mom to five kids, 19, 17, 15, 5 and 4. My God. Goodness, she's busy. And we have some amazing tips that you can then take to raise your kids like you're a CIA expert as well. (laughs) I hope you enjoy our interview with Christina. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids. And we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast, Christina. This has been an interview I have so been looking forward to because you really like bring together two of my favorite things like this fascination with spycraft and parenting. So we are so excited to talk to you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So I first found you when we, um, I found your book, Licensed to Parent, How My Career as a Spy Helped Me Raise Resourceful and Self-Sufficient Kids. And I was immediately drawn to your background and how you started in the CIA. And can you share a little bit how you got started? 
Absolutely. It was really, I like to say it was more of a happy accident than any sort of careful planning on my part. I studied linguistics and African studies and speak two African languages that I learned in college. And I thought I would do some type of humanitarian work, do the Peace Corps, or even like document some dying language in Africa. Uh, but I also had a lot of desire to have a family. I thought I would start a family quite young. And so I didn't really envision some like high power career and in intelligence. And it wasn't until a CIA recruiter came to my campus and I ended up having an interview with him, going in, not knowing that it was CIA, just knowing it was a government agency interested in people with foreign language skills. And then, of course, learned it was CIA in the interview, <laughs> which was a little shocking and intimidating, uh, but it went really well. And, you know, he told me in the interview that I would be using my Africa and my language expertise specifically to help inform U.S. policymakers when they're making decisions about the region and that I would be able to travel there. And it sounded really appealing to me. So you mentioned you fell into it, but you also you wanted to have a family and you met your husband through the CIA, too. I did. And, you know, I swore I would never marry a spy. I had done a lot of dating there uh, because I joined in my early 20s right out of college. And when you're there, your whole life becomes the agency, your friends, mm -hmm. people you date. It's just easier to date people who understand what you do for a living. And so I dated my fair share of spies and James Bond wannabes. And so <laughs> I, I just had kind of written them off. And then I met my husband and he was different. He was different than a lot of the men I had met. He was able to do his job with uh, a lot of integrity. And I had met some other people like that as well, but he was just extremely good at running operations in a way that felt authentic and genuine. And I was really impressed by all of Ryan's interests, how well-rounded he was. He spoke multiple languages, but he also just had a variety of interests, everything from baking bread from scratch to, you know, talking about medieval knives. And he was just this really passionate and interesting person. And so that kind of changed everything for me. He was also a single dad with three kids, which for whatever reason did not scare me off. And I met his kids, I would say fairly soon into the relationship. He was pretty sure about me. But when I met the kids, I was really impressed with them and how independent they were and uh, just the level of autonomy that he would give them and how comfortable he was, like letting them make purchases for themselves in the store. And they were six, eight, and 10 at the time, actually nine. Hannah was not yet 10. So they were fairly young and, you know, they could like whittle things using knives. They rode motorcycles, they shot bow and arrow, they went rock climbing and they were just really well-rounded and impressive. And I like to say, I tell them even now, like, listen, I was 27 years old when I met you and I wouldn't have married any man with kids. You know, you guys were just so amazing and really exceptional that, Aww. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a deal breaker for me. Of course, you know, blended families, they come with their challenges and mm -hmm. it's certainly not easy, but we like to feel like we're like on the other side of like the hard stuff. I'm sure there's always yeah. more hard stuff coming, but with the bigs kind of going off to college and stuff, we've, we've made it very far. <laughs> we have made it really far. And something that I found so fascinating when you talked in the book about your relationship um, and how Ryan raised his kids is just the amount of autonomy he gave them and the amount of self-sufficiency he gave them. Were there any like prizes, anything where you're like, whoa, six-year-olds need to do this? Well, it's just so interesting because I had never really thought about applying what we had learned at the CIA 
to parenting, right? Because my world was so different before Ryan. I was, you know, in my twenties living and breathing work and, you know, it was kind of like a work hard, play hard mentality with my other single friends. And so I just wasn't even really in a mindset of thinking that those skills could be applicable to raising kids. And so it was like these two separate spheres for me. And when I saw what he was doing and, and, it wasn't this intentional effort where Ryan sat down and said, I'm going to teach my kids these CIA skills. It's just that when you're at the agency, all of the training, the lifestyle, it becomes so much of who you are that it just kind of infiltrates every area of your life. And so it happens so organically. Like, of course he would use these things of how he raised the kids. Of course the kids need to have this sort of preparation for life. And it goes back to this concept of the CIA wants to prepare its officers to deal with anything they could encounter in the field. And so the idea is to make training even more difficult than what they encounter so that they're basically prepared for anything that, you know, is thrown at them. And so we take that same approach. And Ryan was doing it when I met him of teaching kids to be prepared for life and giving them those necessary skills. And so I definitely was taken aback by it at first because I just hadn't really considered that. And I even thought like, shouldn't we let kids be kids? You know, some of these are serious things, you know, preparing them for emergency scenarios and danger, spotting and avoiding danger. But I think what ultimately I realized is that there's a way to do it in age appropriate ways. And that's what we share in the book, Licensed to Parent. And there's also a way to emphasize adventure and fun so that it is appropriate. And you can kind of make things um, more nuanced and more mature as your children grow, you know, grow older and teach them you know, more things to, to, to be prepared for, but there's ways to do it so that it's, it doesn't feel as intimidating and scary when they're very young. I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately? And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized even like i still add the coffee on there because i like it a lot ag1 tastes really good too and i enjoy my glass every single morning ag1 is a supplement i trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why i'm excited to welcome them as a new partner if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Yeah, because something that you just said is something that I think a lot of parents say, like, let's just let kids be kids. Why do they have to worry about these things? And I love the sense like of adventure and fun and just you describing all of the skills that your kids have. I, I want those skills. I want to learn how to drive like ro- motorcycles outside of town. And like I want to know how to whittle. whittle okay, yeah. Seriously, just the whittling alone got me there. But I remember like, I remember a part of the book where you were talking about how when you saw that he had knives for the kids or whatever, you're like, whoa, on that one. Yeah, that was hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> Full transparency. And I, and I say this in the book, we don't always see eye to eye on that issue. We have three bigs and then we call them the littles, the two um, that we've had together. And they're right now almost six and four. And so I've been, Ari, our our five-year-old, he's done a little bit of whittling, but I've been kind of hesitant. So we are doing it a little bit later than Ryan did with the bigs. And so, you know, marriage is all about compromise. (laughs) And so really the idea is introducing knives as tools uh, as opposed to weapons. <laughs> and, and so learning how to do things like whittling a stick so that you can roast your marshmallow on it and kind of feeling and learning the safety that goes along with it. Right. And so it's really about that preparation. And, you know, you mentioned worry and that's for me, worrying is, has been a big part of my parenting journey because I experienced postpartum anxiety when our mm-hmm. son was born. And that was what really got me on board with implementing some of these techniques with the kids, because it really helped me alleviate some of my anxiety because I knew that we were giving them skills to help them be more prepared. So it kind of went mm-hmm. hand in hand. So it's not yeah. about, you know, making our kids paranoid about what could happen that into them in the world. It's about just preparing them for realistic things and giving them these life skills. And, the, and I think yes. like a big thing with that is those life skills give them self-confidence. Exactly. Right. Like, okay, I don't need to be anxious or worried about every possible thing that can go wrong. I've got a lot of skills here. I know, I know a lot. Absolutely. When I started your book, that was kind of the change that went through me too, is that kids need to be aware, like, what do they do when they're out and they, they feel like there's someone is following them or what do they do when they're outside and they don't know where they are? Like, what Mm -hmm. do you do after that point? And just making sure that kids are ready to deal with it, I think is so, so important. So I wanted to get into these skills that you think are really, really necessary for kids to learn. If parents don't know where to start, these are great, great places to start. And in your book, you talk about something about get off the X. Can you explain that? Sure. So get off the X is a concept that the CIA teaches at the farm, the covert operational facility. And the idea is that the X equals danger and it can be anything, a person, a place, a thing, an environment. And the longer you stay on the X, the more likely it is that you'll be harmed. And so it's about learning to listen to your gut and moving away from danger, not out of fear, um, out of, you know, really training ourselves to not freeze in an emergency, but to be able to get out. And so there are a couple different things 
that we emphasize with our kids in order to teach this. And it's things like looking for your escape route, making sure, and these are all skills, by the way, that are helpful for adults as well, um, regardless of parenting status, but, you know, going in somewhere and knowing where your exits are and being aware of, you know, how you would get out if you had to get out in an emergency, but then also things like listening to alarms and warning signals, because I think sometimes as people, when we hear alarms and warning signals, sometimes we ignore them. We think that they're drills. We look around to see what everyone else is doing. And so we really encourage our kids to take those seriously. And so really the theme that is woven throughout the book is thinking critically. And so when we give our kids these skills, but then we are constantly emphasizing this common thread of thinking critically, that is what's going to help them in any sort of situation and not looking to other people because we see examples of that, you know, all the time. I mean, there's even an example from a 9-11, another one of um, Morgan Stanley, the director of corporate security for Morgan Stanley had concerns about being in the Twin Towers and actually had tried to move the company before 9-11 because of the earlier terrorist attack in the early 90s and wasn't able to do it because their lease wasn't out. Anyway, when the plane hit the first tower, the New York City Port Authority told the second tower, do not evacuate, stay put. He did not listen. And so he evacuated nearly 3,000 Morgan Stanley employees from the building. And the reason he was able to do it is because because he had done so many drills and had prepared them for it. And he got almost all of the employees out. And at the end, he actually went up to check and make sure. And, and he and a few others were the only ones who didn't make it out. So that's just another example of how this idea of getting off the X, listening to your gut is so important for kids and even adults. How do you recommend talking to kids about this and like knowing your exit signs and knowing your warnings without kind of initiating that fear? Well, that's the thing. I think you can introduce it in stages. So for example, when our kids are really young, we start doing fun exercises like, oh, there's someone following us in the car. Should we, should we try to get away? And, you know, going at the last minute and turning onto a side road and just kind of introducing these concepts of, you know, if there's someone trying to get us, we're getting away. And there's like a a way to make that fun. And then you can kind of increase the, you know, the maturity level as time goes on and start to have more of those conversations. And it's not about, again, like making our kids paranoid or making us paranoid because statistically the chances of us experiencing something like that is very low. Um, Mm. so we, we want to just know that we have the preparation in the unlikely chance that we, you know, are in that situation. Yes. Yes. I love the concept of get off the X and it's something that I talked about with my kids right away and listen to their guts. Talk to me about you, me, same, same. What is that? So this is one of our favorite skills. And so in the book, we actually have kind of these physical skills, like get off the X that we talked about that are kind of what you would think of when you think of CIA type skills. But then we also have these, what I call softer skills that are more about communicating with others, which we think are just as important. And so you may same, same is this technique that the CIA teaches, and it's all about building trust through common interests with, uh, we call them a target. So a target would be someone that you're targeting to eventually recruit to become an asset to provide foreign intelligence of interest to the United States. And so in order to convince someone to commit espionage on your behalf, you need to be building trust with them. And so one of the best ways to do that 
is to connect with them over common interests. But if you want to do that in a genuine way, you need to be a well-rounded person yourself. And so we really believe that this is a skill set that is so helpful in life, starting you know with our children because it can help them with their friendships, it can help them with relationships, uh, you know, with their coaches and you know in sports and school, and and then of course as we grow up into adulthood, it can help us in all t- all different sorts of relationships, whether it's friendships, romance, uh, but then also the professional workplace in order to you know get our goals done. You know, we want to have that trust with our colleagues, right? And so the way we do this with our kids is we are introducing them to lots of different skills so that when they are meeting people, there's more of a chance that they would actually have a shared interest in their and it's, it goes back to this concept of like, know something about everything and everything about something, right? So having kind of an array of interests, but then being able to go deep on certain things and, it doesn't matter if you're good at it or not, right? It's not about perfecting everything or failing. Like we can fall somewhere in between and that experience is going to give us something that we can build connections with others on. It's always good to be a beginner and to try stuff out. And this like idea of exploring, because something I don't like, if you've seen this too, this tendency towards specialization in kids at a really young age in yes. like one particular skill or one particular sport, they're just trying all the things. Like, I want to try all the things, Brie. Yeah. I, no, no, you know, I don't no. want to try all the things. You don't, don't want to try all the things? No, I like my things. Yeah. They- I'll try some things, not all the things, especially if it involves heights. No, no, <laughs> we're not talking about the heights. Before. Not a thing of brie. No, no. <laughs> Out of curiosity, Christina, is there like something that you're trying right now that's new to you? Well, this is the third summer that I've been working on my wake surfing abilities behind the boat on the lake. And oh, cool. <laughs> it took me like two solid summers just to learn to stand up on the board and to get over the weight. And so it's been a long process. I can now get up and I can like surf with the rope, but I'm now still mastering letting go of the rope and staying up on the surfboard. And it's been humbling because my teenagers are just like so fantastic and coordinated and like did it on the first try and they can surf for like an hour without the rope. And it's like incredible, but it was important to me to show them that like sometimes in life, we're not just naturally good at things, but when we fall in this case, quite literally, we get back up. And, you know, I think two years ago when I first started it, you know, our youngest, they were kind of too young to really get it. They, they knew I was trying hard at something. They knew I was doing it for a while and I was falling. And then it was this year that, um, when I went out, um, my son who's five now, I said like, yeah, I remember when, when you were just like falling over and over. And so they remember things. And so then I was able to reinforce it and say, yeah, but what did I do every time I fell? Got back up. And he's like, I don't know. Like I got back up because that's yeah, what we even when we're not good at something, we keep trying. So that's what I've been working on. Uh, so I've come, a, I've come a long way, but I still have some work to do. So, Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions 
that help us function a little bit better. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. (laughs) I love that. I've never tried wakeboarding. One thing like I want to try right now, and I'm just trying to find the time to get into it, is aerial silks. Oh, yeah. Doing like the Cirque du Soleil things and like twisting your hands up and like doing a run and start and just like flying. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. There's a place here in Phoenix. I'm just, I'm trying to like get the time. I know I need to do it, but it's only on Saturdays and all of my Saturdays with kids activities are just hard. It's hard. Oh yeah. One last skill that you mentioned, um, well, you mentioned a ton of skills that I wish we could go into all in this interview, but uh, communication, like how can we teach our kids to be better communicators and why is it important? Yeah. One of my favorite chapters in the book is called the pen is mightier than the sword. And what people don't realize is that when it comes to espionage, there's actually a lot of writing involved and not just for the analysts. So I spent the first half of my career as an analyst, but in the second half of my career, I was in operations, actually meeting with foreign assets and collecting intelligence. But for both of those directorates, you are writing a lot, you know, of course, as an analyst, you're, you're writing, you know, for the president and policymakers, but then even on the operational side, you're meeting with assets, but then you're coming back and you're writing all that up. You know, that's the stuff you don't see in the James Bond movies. <laughs> like the paperwork. <laughs> it's like writing montage. Could you imagine it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But there's so much. And I will say that I really learned how to write at the agency. Like that's where I got my writing skills. And I just feel that it's so valuable. And I think that our kids are really missing out on a lot of that learning. And I don't necessarily love the way that <laughs> our kids learn how to write at school. So I provided I the outline of, of what we use in intelligence analysis in the book. And I've actually had some teachers reach out to me and say that they're using it as handouts in their high school English classes, which like made my heart oh. pitter patter. But I really just think it's so important to teach kids how to communicate information, both in writing and then also in or- oral form, because we're in this age of like texting and people don't even really leave voice smells anymore. And there are companies that are hiring consultants to teach their new younger employees how to make phone calls. And so really making sure our kids have these, you know, experiences and these skills to communicate is just so important in life. And so I include that outline in the book. And then it's a similar outline, uh, the way that we brief at the agency. And we do something called bottom line up front and have this whole structure behind it that I think is so valuable. And it comes up a lot in our home, uh, even the way that we approach technology with our kids. Our, Our kids know that if we've said no to a particular app, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's no forever. And mm-hmm. if they come to us with a very persuasive argument using like the structure that we've taught them for briefings and papers and, you know, what do they want? Why do they want it? How will it impact their life in the short term? What will it gain? How will, what will they gain from it in the long term? And like what opportunities could arise from having this app? 
app. <laughs> and you know, that's how our son argued his way into Snapchat. And oh, so it is <laughs> my gosh, my daughter it, will want to take lessons on that not, one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good, you know, tool and way to kind of teach them how to use that yeah. skill set in a way that is beneficial in their eyes. But then also one thing that we do try to do regularly in our home, of course, it's hard in the summer because we're all a million different places. But when we're, when we sit down at the dinner table for dinner as a family, uh, we do what we call stressed and stoked. Some people call it roses and thorns and we go around the whole, yeah. you know, you can set the, the timer one or one to two minutes, you know, something very short to say something that you're excited about that's happening in your life right now. And something that, you know, is concerning you. And not only is it a great way to find out what's going on with your kids and in their life. I mean, you may be surprised about something that they're proud of that you had no idea had happened or just something that's on their heart that they're concerned and need some assurance about, but it's also a great practice for them. I mean, of course with our family, it's kind of big. So they're talking like in front of a group. Right. And so it's even down to the youngest. I mean, we've been doing it since our daughter was, you know, three. And so them getting used to having their own two minutes, presenting the information clearly, concisely, and then we move on to the next person. And so it's really good practice for them speaking and communicating as well. Do you ever get any pushback in your home about, um, especially from teenagers and calling things cringe? Like when you're trying to teach a skill, do they ever come back with the cringe in you? Or is it so ingrained in your house? Um, I wouldn't say like with these particular skills, but we definitely have moments where like Ryan and I have realized that like, we're not as cool as we think we are, <laughs> you know, because to, to our kids, That's a parenting right parenting right yeah, I mean, we might think that we're like cool former spies, but they're just like, oh, you know, <laughs> just mom and dad. I ask because like every time, like we bring up a new skill in our house or like we want our kids to try something that may be a little uncomfortable, such as speaking in front of a group or like saying your highs and lows of the day too, sometimes it's the, oh, cringe mom. Like we don't share our feelings like that. Yeah. I think, I think if it's introducing kids are a little bit older, there's definitely can be like an adjustment period, but I think a lot of these skills we've been doing with the big, since they were so little that like, it's just sort of normal, you know, when they leave, if we say things like, remember to get off the X or take your neck knife or whatever, like that's, we do sometimes get eye rolls about the neck knife. Can we talk about the neck knife? Can we tell? Yeah. (laughs) Can you explain what's the neck knife? So the neck knife is, um, it's like on the, I mean, it's just what it sounds Mm -hmm. like. It's like on a necklace and it's like this little knife that has like a finger like you can hook it into your finger and then it it's like a carambit and so it's curved and so mostly like we want our kids to take them like if they're on hikes particularly I mean we live somewhere where there's like lots of hikes remote hikes and so we prefer if they're going to go on a hike to take the dog and take the neck knife (laughs) sort of thing and what's great is that like if it's on you and it's under your shirt or something like it, it's on your person, you're not going to lose it. It's right there. And then it go, it hooks, you just pull it down and, um, you would put your finger through it and pull it down to get it out. And then obviously our youngest kids don't have these. Let me just emphasize that <laughs> I'm talking like my 19 year old <laughs> and no one can take it away from you because it's on your finger. Oh. Right. And so that that's a great thing too. That's something that I'm not like always comfortable with, but like I said, I mean, our daughter is 19 and you know, our son is 17 and he's like six, four, so pretty, <laughs> oh, pretty strong kid at this point. But, um, but yeah, sometimes we do roll their eyes when we remind them that. So I guess that's just a typical teenager thing. <laughs> Are any of your older ones interested in fi- following yours and Ryan's path and going to the CIA themselves? I think might be. 
We'll see. I I don't know. You know, they all have kind of their own interests. And so we just sort of let them find their own path. And so I'm excited to see where they all land. You know, our five-year-old, he used to say when he was two, that he wanted to be a spy. He doesn't remember that now, but for the last several years, he said that he wants to be a writer, which really, you know. Yes. It's all through (laughs) your heart, right? It's writers change the world. Most definitely. Well, I love thank it. you so much, Christina, for sharing all of this with us. And it has been fascinating and just a joy to talk with you. Uh, what do you have coming up that you're really excited about? I have a few things. I actually am working on a memoir and, and I'm also working on a narrative nonfiction book about women in espionage. And I have a very exciting project with Hollywood that I can't give any details on. That's exciting. But, <laughs> That's awesome. But something, something in the works that um, is like literally going to be a dream come true. So we'll just um, look forward for that. But people can uh, follow me on Instagram at Christina Hillsburg or on Twitter at Christina Hills B for updates on what's to come, but lots of exciting things. That's exciting. Well, thank you so, so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So Bree and I were about to sing you in for the outro. We're going to be like, let it go. Let it go. We figure if you're still here after our intro number. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) No. This is true love here, really. This is true love. We think about you. We think about you. But we hope that you had a great time with that. I want to go get my kid one of those little hooky knife necklaces. Oh my gosh, the neck the neck knives. Neck knife. There we go. They have a nice alliteration with that. Would you love me? Would you love for me to like walk up to like a sporty goods store and be like, I want the little necklacey knifey thingy? (laughs) I'm sure they would know exactly what I was talking about. I feel like it needs a good PR campaign. I could even see it. Do you remember watching Ren and Stimpy when you were younger and you had they had those intro, those commercials? Where yeah, it's like, like it's log. log. It's log. I see it as <laughs> better that. than bad. It's good. Except like it's cartoon Ren and Stimpy and you pull it out. You're like, it's neck knife. <laughs> <laughs> Except for if it was Ren and Stimpy. Things would not go well with neck knife. No, would I would not trust Ren and Stimpy not. to use neck knife. No. But no, seriously, it, I know we talk like a little bit about the book, but you, if you enjoyed this interview, you have got to go out and get Christina his book. It was so good. I am not normally someone that, I mean, I, I like reading. I enjoy it, but I'm not normally someone that can't put down a book. I could not put this one down because it was so interesting. She also puts in like these stories of her time and her husband's time in the CIA mixed with parenting. And yes. I think that's what makes it so phenomenal. So go, 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 go. Uh, you remember the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you and we will see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.